Rethink Retail, the evolution of retail in today's connected world. Welcome to the Rethink Retail Show, your source for the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. Join host Julia Raymond, Global Director of Research at Valtech, a global digital agency focused on strategy and transformation in retail, as she explores the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. This episode of Rethink Retail, sponsored by Valtech, where experiences are engineered. Hi, welcome to another episode of Rethink Retail. Today's guest is Anthony Marino. Anthony, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, Julia. Great to be here. Great. A little bit of background. Anthony serves as president of ThreadUp, a pioneer in bringing the $30 billion fashion resale industry online. Before ThreadUp, he spent seven years on the leadership team of Sir Richard Branson's Virgin Group, where he founded Virgin Hotels Group with its award-winning flagship in Chicago. Prior to joining Virgin, Anthony was a principal at Venrock, the venture capital arm of the Rockefeller family office. And here he helped founders of rapid growth startups to scale their businesses. Prior to that, he was on the founding team of the voiceover IP software business unit at Ericsson. Anthony also earned his MBA from Harvard after graduating magna cum laude from Princeton University. Anthony, will you first describe a bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, so thanks. It's great to be here. Well, you know, I've been at at ThreadUp for almost seven years, and I've spent my whole career in early stage, high growth businesses. And when I came to ThreadUp, I realized that there was sort of a pattern. And that's that I keep getting into businesses where people tell us that it's just going to not going to work, you know, that it's going to be impossible, that we can't do it, we shouldn't do it, we shouldn't bother trying. And it's just been pretty extraordinary over the past seven years as we've built thread up to see that it it is working and we are growing and it's happening at a time when consumers are starting to say, hey, we love this whole resale thrifting thing. So it's been a remarkable journey so far. Certainly. And what was your experience like? Because I know you spent seven years at Virgin Group. What was it like working on the leadership team? Well, I'll tell you a story that I think can sort of sums it up well what it's like to work for Virgin and for Richard Branson. It was 2008. And I'd been at Virgin for a couple of years, and we'd started a number of businesses in the U.S., Virgin-branded businesses in the U.S., and the whole financial crisis hit. I think around September was when Lehman Brothers declared bankruptcy, Mm -hmm. and it was a very grim time. And I went to Richard, and I said, Richard, you know, and I sort of had prepared for this. You know, I'd put together a presentation because I was going to make a sort of a pitch to Richard about a new business to start and thought a lot about it and put together this big deck. And I was like, Richard, I think that Virgin should get into the hotel business. And I sort of continued and, you know, sort of making my arguments. And he looked up and he said, you know, okay, let's do it. Oh. And I continued making my arguments. And he was like, no, no, no. He was like, Anthony. I was like, yeah. He was like, no, I said, let's do it. And I was sort of like, really? (laughs) (laughs) And, And I think that really sums up what it's like working at Virgin and working for Richard. If you can dream up a business and you can articulate how it works for the Virgin brand, Richard says yes. And it has this amazing effect on you of being like, oh my gosh, it's like the the story of the dog who chases the bus. When you catch the bus, it's like, now what do I do? Right. And so, but he put you <laughs> into this position where you just got to go and do it. And one of the phrases that he loves to say is screw it, let's do it. And at the time in 2008 with financial markets crumbling and real estate going into foreclosure and all this distress in the real estate industry. Most people told us it was going to be impossible to do, but we did it. And it's an incredible place to be where you have that kind of confidence and support. 
to pursue new ventures. Certainly. And were you nervous pitching this, knowing that the market was kind of crashing? At the time, there was nothing to lose. I mean, it was really a really dark time. You know, you had lots of friends who were losing jobs or who were afraid for their jobs. And so I never imagined he'd say yes. And so, <laughs> but, but it was, but it was just, it was an amazing privilege to be able to do that. The timing actually turned out to be okay. I would say with your flagship, that's won awards in Chicago. So it turned out pretty good. And do you think that experience starting the Virgin Hotels Group, was this something that sort of helped with the transition to the resale apparel market? Well, I think the way I learned about ThreadUp was because my wife was using it. I came home one night and there was a big green and and brown and white polka dot box in our kitchen and it was a ThreadUp order and it was a box filled with stuff. And my wife was all excited and said, this stuff's amazing and it's really a great deal. And I got these beautiful sweaters and she was like, it's used. And... I sort of looked at her, I was like, used by who, you know? And, and, so, and so she sort of told me what ThreadUp was doing. And in that moment, I realized that ThreadUp in some ways was pursuing the classic virgin playbook, which the business had looked at a market that was anything but sexy, you know, the secondhand clothing market, and had found a way through reinventing the experience from the top down, had found a way to create and remove all the friction from what it's like to buy secondhand clothing and to do it online. And it was as if the six, seven years I'd spent at Virgin had been preparing me to step into a business where we were going to do it in a totally other industry. But this time around, it was even more exciting for me because it was a chance to build a brand of our own as opposed to doing what I'd done at Virgin for many years, which was to extend that brand into new industries. And it definitely takes the friction away. That's a good point with the whole shopping experience with resale. And do you think, going back even further, um, your experience with startups with the venture capital firm, do you think that also helped influence or support the approach that you're now implementing with ThreadUp? Well, being at a you know an investor in a venture capital firm, it's a different kind of experience. You know, you're looking for big market opportunities. You're looking for great management teams. You're looking for a company that has identified a really clear strategy. They're using technology or an opportunity that others have shied away from to crack open, you know, a new market or grow an existing market. So mm-hmm. I think in, in some ways, when I was a venture capitalist, I had the analytical framework, but I didn't have at that time as much of the experience and what it actually takes to do it, to build teams, to take the strategy and to make it happen day after day. And, you know, it takes a lot of focus, a lot of energy and a lot of discipline to do that in a startup environment because you're going a little at a time. You move forward, but then you have setbacks, but you just have to sort of keep the end game in your sights and know when to pull back every now and then to keep perspective, but to keep going. You know, in the early days, ThreadUp was taking pictures of items, secondhand clothing items with iPhones. Now we're, we right. process an item almost every second. So, Oh, wow. Every second. Every second. So the development and the work and the and the perseverance and the tenacity that goes into evolving a technology, building an operating platform, building the data sets we need to price clothing. All of that takes time and it takes energy. And as a venture capitalist, at least I'll speak for myself, I didn't have a full appreciation for that side of it. Although I'd sat in the boardroom, it's different when you're in the business. So it sounds like you're firing on all cylinders and thread up and scaling everything at once versus maybe the slightly different approach where you're doing more step at a time with the startups you're working with. I mean, I'm, re- I'm just really passionate about what we're doing. You know, early in my career, I loved getting involved in businesses where we were solving hard problems that others had said 
we wouldn't be able to solve. When I got out of college, I went to Bell Labs and worked for an incredible mentor there. His name was George Heilmeyer, and he had run, he was the CEO of Bell Labs. But before that, he had run DARPA for 25 years. And at the time, we were trying to figure out a way to inexpensively process phone calls over the internet rather than use specialized silicon that was very expensive. There were so many people who told us that it wouldn't be possible, that the phone systems couldn't support the scale, and that you could never operate phone networks and software rather than in this specialized hardware. And so we did it. As we got through that, and I got later in my career, you start to get a little bit more of a desire to have real purpose for what you're doing. And, and I found that when the mission to me was more than just building a business, but solving a problem that can make the world a little bit better along the way. When I tapped into that is when I had sort of limitless energy. And, and that was sort of a big part of the thread up story. Towards the end of this year, actually a little bit sooner, we will have processed over 100 million unique items that may have otherwise you know, sat idle or ended up in a landfill. Wow, so 100 be able, million. 100 million items. So to be able to put even a small dent in a world that look, doesn't have endless resources and to be able to help people buy things and find great deals to help people clean out their homes, put some money in their pocket, also help those clothes find a new home in a way that's productive. That to me was just an extraordinary challenge. You know, and there were very few people who thought we could actually do that because we're processing unique items, you know, in typical retail, you'll market a shirt, you'll take one picture of it and sell a thousand of those shirts or 10,000 of those shirts. At ThreadUp, we take one picture and we sell one item. Every single item is unique. And on any given day, there's upwards of three, four million unique SKUs in the ThreadUp ecosystem. Wow. And to be able to take those items and photograph them, price them, attribute them and price them so that we have an understanding for the margin we can generate so that we can offer an amazing deal to our customers. It's a really gnarly problem, but it's a problem that if you solve it, it has great benefits for people's wallets for the environment and just for the way we think about how we consume. And that was a, that's really a big, big driver for me. Definitely. And that sounds like it really resonated with you. And it's something that is increasingly talked about by retailers. And I love that thread up. It's really core to the mission. It's not a PR play on sustainability. And the resale business model is really driving, I think, the future of sustainable fashion. So I wanted to hear from you. Do you think this is the future? Will sustainability be on the top of every retailer's mind in coming years? Or is this something that is maybe a, a trend to play to, to consumer preferences or behavior? It's really interesting. So when I started at ThreadUp six, seven years ago, and we would show up to talk to retailers or brands and say, hey, here's what we're doing. And we're the startup you've never heard of before. And we, we want to sell amazing branded used apparel on the internet. They would kind of look at us a little funny, like who wants to do that? Or, hey, like we've got bigger problems than to be talking about this stuff. And, th and that's understandable. They had very large businesses to run. But it's evolved to the point where we did a survey of a bunch of retail and brand executives as part of our resale report. And nine out of 10 retail executives said that they wanted to test resale. And that was just, an, it's just been an it's extraordinary huge. shift. I don't know that it's the first thing on their mind, but it's on their mind, you know? And I think the reason why it's on their mind is because it's on their customers' minds. One in three Gen Zers will buy used apparel this year. And millennials and Gen Zers are adopting secondhand two, three times faster than other age groups. It's just, you know, an incredible shift in consumers' approach to this. I mean, there used to be a time, I think, when people used to say, oh, there's sort of a stigma associated with buying used. 64% mm -hmm. of women in the U.S. have bought or are now willing to buy secondhand products. So, 
it's sort of like, it's probably in a similar category of there was a time when it seemed really, really strange to plan a vacation or a work trip and to be staying in someone else's apartment rather than a hotel. <laughs> right. You know, there probably was a time when it felt really uncomfortable to get into a stranger's car and have them drive you somewhere. And maybe you don't even talk to them between all these different business models and marketplaces that have popped up that through technology have removed the friction from the experience. I think it really has helped drive the adoption of those businesses and and secondhand. And I think if you talk to younger shoppers, for them, they're like, they don't even, they look at you funny when you even ask them the question, like, is it a stigma? They're like, this is what we do. So I think retailers and brands are seeing that in their research. They're seeing it in what they read about us and others in the marketplace and our growth. And I think it's great. You know, I think it's great if the whole industry, the fashion industry can just acknowledge that, look, consumers are, their tastes are evolving. They always have a hunger for value, but now they expect businesses to sort of be part of the solution rather than part of the problem. And I think it's amazing. We've partnered with Madewell and Reformation, and we're doing work with Macy's and JCP, all these uh, retailers and brands who are really innovative and forward thinking about how they attract new customers and how they meet these needs around sustainability, but also around great value a great branded product. So it's just, it's it's wonderful to see. It really is. And from my point of view, I mean, the news was huge when it broke that Macy's was partnering with ThreadUp and that actual resale merchandise would be in the Macy's store. That's incredible. And from my point of view, when I first saw that, and then a couple of days later, I heard about the JCPenney partnership. I thought, wow, that is impressive. I mean, to be going up to Macy's and saying, this is not an exclusive agreement. You guys are partnering with a lot of retail brands you guys seem to have kind of this upper hand with the partnerships. And I'm wondering, how do you see your partnership network expanding over the coming years? I think the way we think about it is we're a platform. You know, the reason why we spent the past 10 years building the operations infrastructure to be able to process an item every second and price them and attribute them and photograph them is so that we can power resale, not only for our own website for ThreadUp.com and the app and for our stores, but also for other brands and retailers. As a platform, we want to work with brands and retailers to deliver the type of product to them that's the most relevant to their customers. So while we may work with multiple retailers, no retailer is going to do it exactly the same way another one is. They all have their own customers, their own approach to merchandising, their own approach to pricing, their own approach to how they think about merchandising, use product next to new product. And it's actually sort of it's new territory for all of us, you know, and I think the customer has essentially said to us, we want to see, and it comes through in the research so clearly, we want to see amazing secondhand product next to new product. And if it's there, we'll spend more at our favorite retailers. And so we really want to partner up with retailers and brands to deliver the best possible experience to them. And that's figuring out what mix of branded secondhand apparel is the right mix for their stores. And we have the systems and the data and the delivery capability to do that for them. And that puts them in a position to do what they do best, which is run amazing retail environments, treat customers really well when they come into those stores and be amazing retailers. And we can just power the supply of amazing secondhand apparel. Absolutely. So ThreadUp is a true partnership with all of the retailers it's involved with and the retailers, the merchandising strategy is up to them. It sounds like you guys aren't involved. Well, we're involved. I mean, they will share with us what they want. And we'll also combine that with data we have for what people are buying and selling in those different geographies and sort of put Mm. those two things together to create an assortment that's really ideal for that retailer's customers and for the geography they're in and for any other considerations they have around pricing or specific categories or even colors and sizes. I mean, we have 
a ton of data about each of the millions of items that we receive. And so we can pick and choose those items or let the retailers sort of select those items that are best for their customers, whether they're trying to put secondhand clothing in their stores or even put them on their websites and have a part of their e-commerce experience be powered by ThreadUp, but with amazing secondhand branded apparel. Absolutely. And the data, it sounds like you guys have really impressive data infrastructure where you're able to share that information as needed. And speaking of, of data, I wanted to ask because I saw on your really impressive report, the 2019 Fashion Resale Market Report that you guys put out your colleague, the co-founder and CEO, James Reinhardt of ThreadUp, he said the resale customer is no longer somebody else's customer. They're everybody's customer. And hearing this, I thought, does the ubiquity of the resale shopper pose any challenges for ThreadUp when it comes to understanding the customers and how they shop? Like if you guys are doing data analytics to personalize their experience? I mean, personalization is a very hard math problem. You know, whether you're selling secondhand or whether you're selling new. And one of the reasons why it's such a hard math problem is because when a customer comes to your site and clicks on a red dress, a red J. Crew dress, let's say, are they just looking for something red? Do they love J. Crew? Is it the cut of that dress and exactly how it looks? How do you understand what the intent was behind that signal they gave you that they liked that dress? So whether they're purchasing new or used, that's a complicated problem. I'll tell you that with secondhand clothing, it's even more compounded because if you click on that red J. Crew dress, we probably only have one of that exact type of dress. So we have to divine from the signals customers send us what in our inventory of millions of unique items, individual unique items, which are the ones that are going to be the most relevant and most exciting to our customers. And so wow. it's, okay. I'll agree with you. It's a, <laughs> it's a challenging problem, but we're getting better at it all the time. And customers are expecting us to help them sort of sort through and find things. But these things are all an issue of balance too, because just because you clicked on the red dress doesn't mean you want to come back to the site the next day and see a page full of dresses or a page full of red things or a page full of, you know, A-line dresses. <laughs> Customers still want to see variety and have a sense of discovery. And so how do you inject the right level of personalization with the right level of discovery and adventure? And these are hard problems, but they're really exciting ones to solve. And I think one of the things that gets us excited is that we have such a constant flow of fresh inventory. So we list tens of thousands, upwards of hundreds of thousands of items every day. So if you come to ThreadUp and you're shopping and you don't see exactly what you want, like hit refresh or, or wait a few minutes and it might actually be there. So that gives us this ability to inject freshness into the experience constantly. And what we found that that's something that customers so no matter what their age, no matter what their style choices, they love seeing fresh new product. And if we can essentially show them, you know, what would be the equivalent of 100 stores of inventory in any given day, we find that uh, that's something that customers just really, really get excited about. Certainly. And that kind of lends to the whole uh, treasure hunt experience that a lot of people have in like a TJ Maxx, but it's online because you never know what new inventory will be on threadup.com. So... It's a great analogy. I mean, we, we admire off-price retailers a lot for that experience they create of not knowing what's going to be hanging on the rack every time they walk into the store and having a constant state of freshness around very, very specific brands. But we even aspire to be more consistent than that. So they don't have to wait every other week. They could come every hour or every day. And we see a lot of that kind of repeat visit behavior with our customers. Wow, that's impressive. That's really nice. And just out of my own curiosity, and I don't, I don't know if you can release this information, but are the systems that you have in place for 
processing an item per second, I think you said, as far as taking the photo of it and getting it listed. Is that all automated? Is there a lot of human elements with this or? It's both, you know, so there are elements of it that are done in software or done through automation from a conveyor and carousel perspective, you know, moving things around in an an automated way. But there are still some things that people do best, like looking at an item and determining if there's an acceptable level of pilling, you know, on the front of that shirt, like computers, we're we're getting better at teaching computers to, to do those kinds of things and make those kinds of judgments. But, you know, for some areas of work like that, still a a person has the best judgment. Totally. We don't have amazing algorithms for uh, pilling identification yet. We we will, we will one day, but not yet. Oh, that's great. And I was really surprised actually to see in your report that secondhand shoppers include people that are shopping luxury departments or value chain like Walmart even. That's a super, so yeah, what you're, I think you're referring to is we ran a national survey where we asked a whole bunch of different shoppers, women shoppers, I think, pretty broad age range, we said, hey, you know, if your favorite retailer sold secondhand, would you buy more product there? And when we then sort of pivoted that data by the type of retailer they said they shopped at, yeah, whether they were shopping at Chanel or Louis Vuitton, or whether they were shopping at TJ Maxx or Macy's or Gap or Target and Walmart, a vast number of those shoppers said, absolutely, show me the secondhand product in my favorite store and I will buy more. And I think what that should signal to retailers and brands is that the shopper who buys secondhand isn't someone else's customer. It isn't some niche. It's their customer. And either that customer is going to buy that product in their store or they're going to buy it somewhere else. And I think that's what's driving a lot of the retailer or brand interest in partnering with us on our resale as a service platform, because they're saying, well, heck, if this is what customers want. Let's figure out a way to to offer it to them. And while this is a new concept of selling secondhand, it's what the customer wants. So let's figure out how to merchandise it. Let's figure out how to price it. So far, we're seeing really nice success. And we expect that as we continue to learn and work out the kinks on these things, like there is with all new projects, it'll just continue to perform. I think one day, it may not be the perfect analogy, but you know, when you go to buy a car these days, there's new cars on the lot and there's used cars on the lot and they're parked right next to each other. Mm-hmm. And it just depends on what you're looking for. And cars used to be used. Now they're <laughs> certified pre-owned, right? And I think there will come a time when we're walking to our favorite stores and it'll be the same way. There'll be new product and there'll be used product. It'll be right next to each other. And it's sort of like what value you're looking for. But I think what, what we see in the research and what we see in, in some of the early results with our RAS program is that customers tend to come into the stores more. They tend to buy more. And it's sort of it makes sense that they would come into the store more because they know that there's fresh inventory on the thread up racks that's more frequent. They know it's from brands that are really attractive to them and might not have otherwise been in the store before thread up got there. And then also it's priced really, really well. And so they're sort of saying, hey, there's another reason for me to walk into Macy's. And we think that's really, really exciting. Definitely. It's, um, you know, kind of like the Kohl's and Amazon partnership and giving customers another reason to go to Kohl's and the potential that a customer might buy something else at Macy's while they're shopping the thread up racks. And I love your futuristic outlook, Anthony, just the whole idea of potential future stores walking in and just seeing a certified pre-owned piece of clothing right next to a brand new piece of clothing, you know, whatever it may be is really something that I haven't heard yet. So I enjoy hearing your perspective on that. The one thing I did see in the report that was really shocking 
is that the resale market grew 21 times faster than the retail apparel market. And that was over the past three years. And I wanted to ask you, because resale isn't new, it's been around, but the market is rapidly growing. The consumers are demanding it. And in your opinion, is this more of a resurgence or resale renaissance, or is this like a new era of demand for resale? Yeah, I think it's all the above. So I think there's a couple different things going on. So from the Threadup perspective, we've built the backbone of resale on the internet. And so what that means is we've made buying used really easy and frankly, as easy as buying new. So 70% of our customers had never bought used before. Mm. So when you could come to an experience where you can search, you can filter, you can sort of browse and get ideas and get inspired based on seasonal stories or fashion stories that just hadn't existed before in this way. So if you remove the friction from the experience, you get people who may not have otherwise considered it or who didn't or discouraged by the work of going to their local consignment store or going to a site that wasn't merchandised as cleanly. And now they're really interested and they start to think of it when they're about to shop, it's not a niche choice, it's a mainstream choice. The mission of ThreadUp is to inspire a new generation of shoppers to think secondhand first. And we knew from day one that if we were gonna inspire a new generation of shoppers to think secondhand first, we better make it really, really easy. I think that's a part of it. I think another part of it is some of the things we've already talked about that sustainability is a, an important background driver. It's not gonna be, we think, the number one reason why people buy because value is always you know, the number one reason why people buy. But 74% of millennials and Gen Zers prefer to buy from sustainably conscious brands. So preference doesn't mean that if the price is more, they're gonna choose the sustainable choice. But like all else being equal, it's something that's important to them. And we think that'll just continue to move up through the generations of shoppers. And then finally, freshness and selection are really important to customers. And it's a little bit like the Instagram generation or not even Instagram, it's the the mobile generation that all of us fall into where we're constantly flicking our thumbs. We're constantly (laughs) looking to see what's next. And so I think that sort of what's next, what's new, what's fresh, part of the shopping experience is really important. And if you can get sort of that closet flipping fun but without the eco hangover of fast fashion, then I think that's like quite a trifecta for shoppers. I think those are some of the forces that are really driving the growth of the market. Definitely. It's almost addicting, you know, when you're scrolling through and we're all getting carpal tunnel and we just keep scrolling. And we hope, you know, we want it to be a healthy choice. You know, we want it to be a healthy addiction, (laughs) which I think is called a good habit in the old days. Yeah, Um, there you go. So we want it to be a good habit. We want it to put money back in people's pockets. We want them to look and feel great. We want it to have an impact on the environment and on our consumption. We think that's just a great way to purchase and to live. I think so too. And you, it's interesting you said ThreadUp is inspiring the new generation of shoppers because there is some discussion around a lot of luxury brands, for example, are not resonating as much with the new generations who view luxury a little differently. Maybe it's more about where you're traveling or the freedom you have. And so I'm seeing like Burberry last week partnered with The Real Real. And I think that we'll see more partnerships from some of these high-end brands. We love to see that. We love to see brands testing into it. And it takes a while. You know, some brands are moving very quickly and they're testing quickly and learning quickly. And others, it takes some time, but we think it's just great progress, whether it's luxury brands or mainstream brands or mass brands. One of the things that we've really tried to do with our resale as a service platform is to be flexible. So if we have brands like Reformation where we power a clean out and a power recycling service for them. That's one way to do it. If 
you have a brand who's more a retailer who's more aggressive who actually wants to sell a secondhand product than their properties. That's another way to go. So we're trying to create on our side a flexible platform where no matter where you are as a brand or retailer in that process of wanting to experiment with secondhand and and serve their customers in a new way, we can help them do that. Totally. That's great. I know we have a few minutes left. I just wanted to ask you about the Madewell Archive program because that was just announced recently. Yeah, it's well, Madewell, we we love those guys. So they're, you know, a leader and an innovator. I mean, who doesn't love Madewell, right? So our customers love their brand too. And we think their customers will love ThreadUp. So they actually have a bunch of sustainability initiatives that are designed to extend the lifespan of their denim. And so what they wanted to do was something, a new experiment with us where we created something called the Madewell Archive. And this is where we power for them a curated selection of pre-owned Madewell jeans from ThreadUp's inventory. And now you can find those jeans in a bunch of their stores. And each pair of jeans in their archive collection in the stores were hand-selected by Madewell, and they come right from inventory that ThreadUp is already receiving. So it's just a really cool way for them to create a whole different merchandising experience in the store where it's these sort of -of one-of-a-kind items of amazing quality that come through our network. So it's something we're super excited about. Definitely. I'm excited about it too. I'll have to go buy some new jeans. Go check it out. (laughs) And then I I guess I just wanted to ask you, Anthony, what are you most excited about as you look into the holiday season and then into 2020? Yeah. I mean, look at ThreadUp, we're really, really focused on doing the two things that really our customers care the most about. The first is making it super easy for our sellers, for people who want to clean out their closets to send the items in their closets that they're no longer wearing to us. So they can come to ThreadUp, come to our website, order a clean out bag, or they can print a prepaid label. And we want to make it super easy for them to create space in their house over the holidays, get that stuff out of there so that you can make room for all the other stuff you're going to get under the tree or in your stocking or whatever it is. So always focus on making that process fast and transparent. And then the second thing we're doing is we're listing more and more amazing secondhand product for people to buy. And it's 70, 80, 90% off retail. It's across 35,000 brands. So that's it. That's the goal. We're just really focused on making those customer experiences for our sellers and for our buyers amazing, for making it indistinguishable from buying new, except for the fact that you're doing something for your wallet, for the planet, and you're looking great at the same time. So that's the focus. It's a good focus to have. And Anthony Marino, president of ThreadUp, thank you for joining us on the show today. Yeah, thanks, Julia. It was great. Thanks. And if our listeners are interested in the ThreadUp 2019 resale report, it has some super useful information about the market at large and where things are headed. So I really invite you to go take a look at threadup.com slash resale. That's threadup.com slash resale. You've been listening to Rethink Retail. For all the latest news on commerce and trends, join the discussion, rethink.industries.com.